Oh, let's see if we're able to talk clearly. What's up, guys? Welcome in. Uh, we are going to do a um, post-game show, which is <laughs> not the most uh, enjoyable experience I don't think any of us will have, but we're here to talk through it. So it was a 24-14 to game in the third quarter. Pete is with me here. Pete Smith will be joined by Brad Ward in a little bit. Uh, it was 24-14, Pete, in the third quarter until it wasn't. And uh, all of a sudden, it was... 38-14 out of nowhere, and uh, it just it snowballed, right? So, um, you know, it was a really interesting game, one that I think most of us thought that they had a, you know, even though the halftime score is is uh, was a little bit uncomfortable there was it gets to 24-14, you thought they still had a chance uh, to win. Uh, it was a game where a lot of things that uh, have been, uh, I don't know if they've, like I could say, avoided. They've had these things happen, but they've been able to overcome, and tonight, um, you know, one phase wasn't able to overcome what the other couldn't. Right. So uh, I think it starts with really poor defense in the first half, and then it trickles into mistakes in the second half uh, of the variety of two back-to-back possession uh, pick sixes that result in, again, going from 24-14 down inside Texans territory, inside their 35-yard line to um, you know, again, just two straight drives and it's 38, 14, the game's over at that point. So, uh, I'll kind of go to you, Pete. We'll talk through this man as best we can. I think we have to start with the disappointment that happened on the, on the side of the Browns, um, you know, uh, defense, which <laughs> it's kind of funny when you look at it, like the baseline statistics, two of eight on third down three fifty six. You'd think it was a little bit worse, but you got to talk about 8.1 yards per play. The Texans only ran 44 plays, so 8.1 yards per play, and we're able to put up 14 first downs despite just 44 total plays. Stroud goes 16 of 21, 274, three touchdowns. They didn't run it a ton because they didn't really need to run it a ton. They only ran for 76 yards, but I think we have to start with you know, what, what we can kind of pinpoint went wrong defensively as Bobby Sloak's group did a great job of really putting the Browns on a blender from the very jump. Yeah, I think Bobby Sloak did a really good job of borrowing what has worked for other teams. I think ultimately the reason you're sort of surprised by the result is that the Texans were able to win the line of scrimmage in a way that didn't seem likely. Um, and the com- combination of that with just endless bad eye discipline, the inability to deal with motion, and just a lot of just fundamentally bad defense um, allowed the Texans to just create offense, you know, in a way that obviously became, you know, too much to bear. But, like, it's it's about – which is ridiculous to say this – it's – Half a dozen plays that go wrong that shouldn't have gone wrong. Yeah, that's right. So Martin Emerson doesn't make that tackle uh, on Brevin Jordan. Greg Newsom just gets completely turned around on a third down situation. Like you can pick out plays where you're sitting there going, this should have been stopped or the Browns should have gotten on the field, and they didn't. And when you continue to do that, or Ronnie Hickman just turning into an undrafted rookie right in front of our eyes in a way that he hadn't all season. Um, you know, you can't be surprised when you're, you know, the, the, as Jim Schwartz is the first one to say his defensive line is the engine of the defense and the engine was not running with any kind of consistency up front. They did a, a really poor job 
of generating consistent pressure. They, they did a couple things early. It seemed like CJ Stroud was uncomfortable, I think, maybe in the first quarter and a half. And then after that, he sort of settled in and looked really comfortable in a way that just allowed them to continue to find success. Yeah, I think, I think, at least I'll come to you, Brad, here. Like, I stood out to me is that they were, they were played out of man. Like, they, they were played in ways that, um, you know, and again, these are like what, what I took away from it. There were f- very few new things that hurt them schematically, right? Like, the motion stuff has been awful this year. How they've dealt with motion when in man, consistently communicating. I got to be careful. The Browns have had a great season defensively, and one game doesn't define that entire season. But the little things that have plagued them at times has it showed up today. They did not deal with motion very well, and what I mean by that is the Texans did a fantastic job of stretching all fifty-three in the third laterally, right? They, they did a great job of using it sideline to sideline to create stress on man coverage, create larger windows, create the ability for CJ to get the ball out in 2.5 seconds, which he did today, which was the number you want to be at against this Browns defense. And then when they did it so frequently that they were able to start putting the Browns in zone coverage, the Browns didn't want to play a ton of cover three because this offense is really good at cutting it up. They don't play quarters. So they're forced to play cover two and cover six a lot, and they, they're not very good at it. Most of the throws that were the most damaging early in the game up the right sideline, I don't know if that was Robert Woods. That was an invert cover two that went for a chunk play. There was the touchdown to Dalton's, uh, Dalton Schultz was against cover two, uh, working on that throwback before, before halftime. They have consistently been uh, leaky when, when put in cover two and when – this game, uh, you know, you could feel that the Texans did a great job of being in, uh, being able to come up with answers for man coverage. Something that stood out to me, guys, is they ran that first play action throw to Nico Collins up the hash, right? They did a nice job of exchanging Nico outside. Um, JOK kind of delayed. They call that a green dog blitz, right? They threw it up the hash, and they, and they um, didn't get to him in time. So what the Browns wanted to do to me, it was clear, and I hope I'm making sense, is that they said it's pretty obvious that the Texans are going to try to max protect or keep tight ends in as often as possible. So the Browns counter to that is saying, if you want to keep those guys in and we're in man coverage, we are going to do what's called green dog delay blitz. If you get a 1-1000, 2-1000, and he is still blocking, you're taking off. Well, on that Nico Collins catch up the left seam, JOK blitzed late, almost got to Stroud, but his man leaked out and he was open, right? They noticed that and then they came back to it on the, I think his name's Brevin Jordan, the secondary tight end for them. They came back to that and ran that same, a similar concept where they knew JOK was going to read, react, and jump, right? And then took advantage of an open play. Now, Martin Emerson doesn't tackle. That changes the play from being a 20-yard gain to a 75-yard touchdown. But that's the stuff that the Texans had dialed up. The pin-pull, fly-sweep, pin-pull pitch stuff that has hurt them in the run game. They had that queued up. The jet-sweep quick answers, they had that queued up. Like They um, did a really good job of looking at every offense that has given the Browns trouble and taking from that to apply to their game plan. So that's the stuff I noticed defensively, Brad. I mean, I think there's some individual players we could probably spotlight didn't play well. Um, 
but go yeah go ahead and, and fill in what you what you saw as well man no i mean you got you you said a lot of it i mean it just feels like they stressed them horizontally and and by doing that uh consistently you know like you said it forced them out of what they wanted to do and and then from there they were able to give stroud some answers and once he got confidence it kind of took off from there um and that certainly didn't help in the second half obviously uh, you know joe kind of turned back into a pumpkin as things rolled uh you know backwards uh as they tried to get back in the game he threw a couple of the picks that he's known for right and um you know it, it's sad it's a sad way for the season to end uh you know defensively you know greg newsome but the rough day really rough day i thought um I, I, like you said, Pete, uh, Ronnie Hickman, not not as good as he has been. Um, kind of got exposed there. But, I mean, but outside of JOK, I, it's hard to really say that anybody played really well uh, on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, he, JOK was spectacular, but outside of that, it's tough. Uh, to pick up on something, I think, where Jake was going, of course you're not going to sit here and go, the Browns need to fire Jim Schwartz. But there are some questions that have to be asked uh, when it comes to – and this is Jim Schwartz's track record. He does what he does, and he's going to either succeed or die by that. But as you head into the offseason, you know, you're obviously going to be in a position to have a very good defense again next year. You look – and, and, you know, you look at the games where the Browns struggle defensively and you can pick a lot of the things you saw from this game. Um, the Broncos, the Rams, the Ravens, uh, the Colts. And, you know, part of the reason beyond the line of scrimmage is the fact that with C.J. Stroud was a rookie quarterback. Typically, it had been veterans that have been picking apart the Browns defense when they've been able to to do these type of things or been able to run the misdirections or do some of the other stuff. You had to have a quarterback who could execute these different looks. But the question you inevitably ask yourself is, are the Browns going to head into next season? And we're all sitting here going, well, the offense should be better for any number of reasons, but are we going to run into the same problem on defense next year where we're going to sit here and look at this team and go, well, we didn't deal with motion again very well. We're not very good at the misdirection. You know, these other things. It's, I think the frustrating part is even with the time off that they didn't come up with a check to something that allows them to be successful. And and maybe there's part of you that says, you know, that that's where that happens in year two, where that, you know, you did all this stuff in year one and then you, the adjustment becomes, well, this is what we're going to do in year two. But I think those, those are sort of the questions you come kind of saying the way it went. And yes, a lot of this comes down to players as it always does, but those tactical decisions just, they leave you with, you know, sort of a, a very bitter taste in your mouth. Yeah. Yeah. Brad, you hit on, you know, the Flacco stuff, which, which I think we, we, we have to hit on here, which the, the resounding thing to me would be, um, appreciation for Joe who's um, who's done some remarkable things and um, you know, come in and, and really filled the, I mean, he's put this offense in a place at times where we hope to see it humming at times in the next year or two. Right. 
did a great job. But the but the problem kind of crept back in today, right? Which was um, the turnover stuff here. If you look at the two interceptions, I understand that he was being pressured from the right side, but there was plenty of time to feel where that blitz was coming from and drop it off to David or get it out of bounds. It felt to me like he was trying to throw that upfield to Elijah Moore watching it. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else he could have been doing, putting it in that general area other than trying to throw it away. I guess he can answer that in the post game presser, but the thing that is the biggest bummer for me because you know the next time out, I don't know if that was third down or fourth down, guys, where he throws the stick route that gets intercepted, where it fourth. felt like he it was at fourth. fourth yeah, I felt like he predetermined that throw uh, to an extent, but he had had he had a really nice game up to that point. Yeah. Had made a ton of really great throws, the types of throws that we want to see Deshaun Watson consistently make, and he can consistently make, but we need to see it right. So. You know, I think the thing that's a bummer here is that it's not unexpected because we've seen this from Flacco, right? You know, like we've, this is not new, but it is the way it ends. And in in these and it leaves a really bad taste in your mouth about the experience, uh, despite really being appreciative of what he was able to do, because those two throws effectively into the game. I mean, you can have as good a game as you want before that, but those two throws make it 14 points in the hole after 24, 14, the game's over, you know, so. Um, I don't really know if I have a question so much as just uh, want to open it to you guys to talk about how how they played offensively because I actually thought if the game was a bit more neutral and they didn't give away those 14 points, they were in a position to score 27, 28 points that we thought they were going to score. It's just they didn't meet the they didn't meet the challenge defensively to 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 get where we thought they could ultimately win that type of game. You know what I mean? I guess what I'm saying is I didn't think the offense played terrible until that moment, and then they made a couple bad choices, and and all of a sudden the scoreboard is completely flipped, if that makes sense, Pete. I agree with you uh, 100%. I thought they did a number of things where you're sitting there going, wow, that was really good game planning, good calls. The fact that Kareem Hunt somehow ends up with two touchdowns still blows my mind. Um, they – came up with some calls that the Texans snuffed out that throwback to David Bell. I think they thought was going to go for bigger than it did. Uh, it only gained like six yards, I think. Um, and they, up to that point, were able to sort of hide their tackles a little bit. Um, they came out with a quick passing game early. Then they had some, some play action that had some quick answers uh, that was effective they were able to hit some quick hitters like their trap game still seems to be an effective run call for them for it, for a team with no rushing threat. Um, and they hit big plays. They hit explosives early. They got that big play to David Njoku and you're sitting there going, okay, this is, this is exactly what we would want. Dare, dare us to go deep. And Flacco was able to make some of those plays, but uh, you know, there's, you can make the argument. This was sort of football justice in the sense that the Browns have been so sloppy with the football Mm -hmm. and we're still able to win 11 games is incredible. But ultimately, you were always waiting for that game where it was just going to kill you, and this was that game. And that doesn't take away from the fact that defense puts you in that position. Because if the, you know if this is a different game, the Browns, it's 14-14 when those picks are thrown, then you're still potentially in the game, or maybe you don't throw the second one, or you don't go for it on the second one. But because the defense had put them in a position where, where they were now playing catch up, that 
sort of grease the skids to, to, to be even more aggressive with that. So, you know, I know there's a lot of people critical of the offense. I give credit to the Texans that they were able to limit Amari Cooper a little bit. He also but, had the heel early too. You could see that was still, he was hurt. He was hurt, but, man. But ultimately, uh, you know, just the only thing I, the only thing that bummed me out was I, I wish the Browns were able to take advantage of the, the Texans safeties more than they did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which they did on that deep ball to Njoku. But overall, it was sort of like too often in this game, it felt like the Texans were able to exploit the Browns' weaknesses and the Browns were not able to exploit enough of the Texans' weaknesses. And I think that made a huge yeah. difference in this. Yeah, and, and and again, you they want to they, – they need – they have flirted with playing from behind so many times this year. They couldn't – eventually, it's going to catch up with them. They're not built to do that. They cannot consistently do that. And uh, I think it, it, it obviously, you, you know, you can only leave your, you can only help the tackle so much. So consistently we saw Flacco get sacked four times. That's a single game high for him since his arrival, right? Like I just think that if the Browns defense had given them a better performance, especially early in this game, then to me, this game had a chance to be enough offense to win it is kind of the way I feel. I, I, I just, I know it was 24-14. You got a chance to get back in this, but I thought people were trying to say that the offense played poorly or that, you know, they didn't play hard. I didn't have any issues with with how hard they were playing. I thought it was alarming to me how much they were confused defensively considering 17 games of examples of how teams attack you. That part was the single most disappointing part because the offense was making strides, driving down, scoring points, and then immediately – I don't have it in front of me, guys, but I believe the Brevin touchdown happened right after a couple plays after one score. And then I believe after the first score, when the Browns made it 7-3, the Texans answered with like four plays, touchdown, yep. and that, that slip screen off of a couple chunk plays, a chunk run, a chunk play up the right sideline, and then they ran that stretch or fake toss a backside screen. It's like they couldn't get any momentum going, and you felt like the defense was – uh, in a position where they didn't have any answers. And I, I guess, like, obviously the offense let this thing slip away late, but the defense already set the table for what that was going to become. So we'll dig into that here in just a minute. I do want to do our first sponsor today, uh, which we did, you know, if you're here in the pregame, we did that. But I want to talk about Core Home Fitness, proud sponsor of the OBR. Uh, I could tell you what they could do to transform your fitness regimen. Obviously, you can see the photo right in front of you. All the things that you need creates a high-quality fitness product that allows you to the, you know get everything you would do in a gym uh, right there in your home, which is obviously awesome. Top-rated adjustable dumbbell that goes from 5 to 50 pounds. They've also got adjustable benches, more to help you get you set up in your home uh, to make it feel like that gym that you would drive all the way uh, out and pay a membership for you can get that delivered right to your house so go to corefitness.com to learn more empower your home workouts with core home fitness today great product happy to have them sponsoring the obr and uh, take advantage of those guys because they do some great stuff if you're looking to get fit for the new year uh, or maybe burn some uh, anger off of, of watching what the browns just did so i think the thing that is the biggest bummer brad is that there were a lot of people ready to pounce on the browns about the 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 how real this team was uh, same old Browns nonsense, and uh, I I would just kind of it, it's sickening to sit back and watch it because all of these national voices or people who have been consistently trying to get after them now get a chance a stage to do that without them having an answer for it. But mm -hmm. I think there's there should still 
be a deep appreciation for what they were able to do. I mean, I'm guessing I'm looking at you, Brad. I know we're right after the game, but how, how, what, what do you leave this season feeling like? I mean, listen, the season probably, sh what they made out of this season is pretty remarkable. And I think we, we took some steps forward as far as like Kevin Stefanski, who he is as a coach, grew a lot this year. Uh, the defense, everything, you know, the resilience shown by this team. I think they took a lot bit, a lot of big steps in the right direction culture-wise, and I think those are things that will carry over, right? Like, we always talk about how each season is its own entity, and, you know, momentum doesn't necessarily carry over through it from season to season. So, but I think the culture stuff will, right, um, and, or should. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think that's something that you can take away from this. It's just, I mean, right now it's, it's hard to be super positive. Uh, you know, it was a great season. It was a fun ride, but it felt like it could have gone a lot further. It felt like they should have beat this team today. Um, you know, it was disappointing. They get behind and that we kind of talked earlier in the week, you know, Pete, you said it earlier in the week when we were talking on Wednesday that, you know, if you give them a chance to just keep everything in front of them, they're going to make you matriculate the ball down the field. And the Browns, you know, and Joe kind of are known for making a mistake in those situations. And that's kind of what the situation they got themselves in in the second half where they just kind of sat back and let you try to take 5-10, 5-10 until they got some pressure and made one mistake and that led to another and it just got out of control. And I was kind of hoping it would work the other way around uh, today. It was kind of the uh, the game uh, script we were hoping for, right? It, yeah, it certainly isn't something we're good game. about. Go ahead, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, you're it's, good. Go. It's easy to feel good about what this team did. I mean, and it's easy to feel good positive going forward. Jaron Christian, James Hudson III, and Kareem Hunt were significant parts of your offense in this game. Yeah, those are three three guys who are a great point. borderline NFL players at this point. I mean, they were able to win eleven games, and and we're looking at all these teams, and and we've heard it from fan bases. Well, if Joe Burrow didn't get hurt, well, if Aaron Rodgers didn't get hurt, everyone on the Browns got hurt for the most part, and they were still able to sustain. So. You can obviously look at this and 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 appreciate what they were able to do. And there have been any number of games where the Browns played harder and longer than their fan base believed they could, uh, and won games that that fans thought they were done. Or half halftime, everybody's trying. Everybody's want uh, the entire coaching staff fired. Andrew Barry fired. All this, and then they end up winning the game. Um, so those are all things you can look at and you can look at this team and, and you can look at this division looking uh, ahead and suddenly feel like not only are, are, are most everybody under contract, but you know, the, the Ravens are set to, you know, the Ravens will probably be fine, but they're set to lose a lot of guys because they now Lamar Jackson's money's in Joe Burrow's money suddenly going to kick in and God only knows what the Steelers are going to do at this point. But right this second um, it's just disappointing that, they went out like this, given everything else. I think there was a there, there was a sense that they were sort of exasperated. I mean, I, I don't not since the Broncos game after DTR got knocked out did I feel a team sort of just collectively 
exhale and sort of be like, we're, we're, we're done as it, it felt like on that second Flacco pick um, that, that part is frustrating. But I mean, if you're just looking at this from a, what were they able to do? They want, they had what the second best record in the AFC overall. Yep. I don't think anybody won 12. Um, you know, and, and their reward for that was the fifth seed. They of course played in a division where somebody managed to win more. Any other division there, they they win the division. Um, they got the home field. They've created a home field advantage. They're eight and one at home, tied for the second best record in the league uh, at home behind Dallas, who only played eight games. Um, and I feel bad. I I feel awful for Kevin Stefanski in the fact that I think if they won this game, um, I think he could have sort of gotten to a point where he became the Tito Francona of Cleveland coaches where we stop doing this thing yeah where we we he finally gets to his step he gets to be the cleveland coach that sort of yes people can be critical of him after a game they can say oh this is a bad game or whatever but ultimately we'd sort of just move past the idea that we're, we're trying to fire him every uh every year yeah um there will be people and i've already seen some of them who are out and i think they were just hibernating uh waiting for an opportunity to come back and complain yeah. Uh, sort of ignoring all the things that they've been able to do. I mean, to Brad's point about culture, I, I hope that's the case. I think Kevin Stefanski has been building this for four years. Um, stewardship and maintaining that is work. They've got to continue to, to do that. They've got to continue to sort of set the standard and maintain it. Um, but you have to feel good about the people who are in the building uh, that are going to stay here, the Miles Garrett's, the David Njoku's of – that are not just that are not just leaders, but they are great players. They have that credibility that can allow you to sustain this in a way that sort of we look at the Pittsburgh Steelers of the past with with those guys or the Ravens or or some of these teams where the the expectation is they will be good. Um, hopefully that's the case because nobody wants to take take a massive step back next year and suddenly become what happened to like the Bengals. But I think it's just the way this game ends that sort of leaves you with this frustration. Of, I thought the Browns, you know, even if I thought the Browns might lose, they weren't going to go out like this. Yeah, I, I would agree with that uh, statement for sure. I, I didn't see this coming at all. Uh, I would say, you know, one thing you can say about Andrew Barry is, I think he probably, the way that he put together this team and it did withstand the injury and it got into its depth so much and he was able to kind of piece things together and they had enough senior guys to lead and have that kind of culture we're hoping like you said that still we could they can steward into the next season you, you would think that this is a learning experience for him as far as like okay I, I kind of got it pinned down to what kind of guy I need in the locker room uh, one through fifty-three to sustain a seventeen-game season or eighteen—you know what I mean—an uh, entire season of what the NFL can throw at you. In this case, one of the worst-case scenarios, injury-wise. But uh, on a given year where it's not this bad, uh, you're probably in a lot better position right now. Okay, real quick before we wrap up, want to lead um, into our our final advertisement here, which was with our guy. OG Philly. We love having our own uh, on board here with Scott Fillinger. He does a great job. One of the more loyal OBR uh, voices we've had in a while. You won't meet another one like him as good as they come. And he does a great job 
uh, with this with this you know uh, OBR gear, which you see many of us wearing, right? I wear the hat. I uh, got a, a pullover, and um, this is some high quality stuff. Under Armour, Nike, and um, he works with everyone from Fortune 500 companies to small businesses alike uh, to create products like you're seeing the ones here for the OBR uh, that are just again as as good as stuff for your brand that you could that you could possibly want. You're talking promo products, commercial print displays, signature e-commerce sites. Uh, everything you want. You can reach him. Uh, they are listed in front of you, right? Um, Pro Performance, right? It's, it's, it's as good as it gets. So make sure you take advantage of the opportunity. GoSync.com. He'll be able to help you out. Uh, and again, I just want to thank uh, OG Philly for being one of our lead sponsors on everything we do at the OBR here. And you should, if you need that for your company or any branded session, take advantage of what he's uh, got going over there at GoSync.com. So uh, again, thanks to OG Philly for that. Last question before we get out of here, guys, and then we can spend the next Sunday and week talking through how and why this happened is the future. I think that everyone starts to shift their mind as quickly as they can off of an ugly loss and into the future. And I don't know. I'm asking you, Pete, is it as simple as is, is this is ready to go? They have to do a couple things. We can dig into the details of that as we get there. But this is good enough as is to run this back and be here again with a chance to go into the playoffs. But you need Deshaun Watson to be right. You need him to be healthy. You have this game tonight. If you have a healthy Deshaun Watson, you have a better chance. Where do you sit on that? Because that's the big looming question. Is the, is the roster is good enough, um, but maybe in, in, in a game like this, Pete, where you go it's 24-14 and you need a quarterback to match what C.J. Stroud is doing, and the Browns clearly, again, nothing against Joe Flacco, but the throws are the throws, and he made them. Do they have enough with Deshaun coming back to be good enough to get back into this type of situation and win? That's the question because we know they're good enough to make the playoffs, but we want to know how they go division, championship, Super Bowl. That's the thing that we've got to figure out here. Part of what would have been nice of having the Browns win this game and potentially face the Ravens in the next round is you would have gotten a direct contrast between Deshaun Watson against the Ravens and Joe Flacco against the Ravens. And Joe Flacco has had a hell of a ride. But I think this game sort of paints that picture anyway, that Deshaun Watson, as much as you may be frustrated by like maybe the lack of the speed in which it got better, he's just really, really talented. Uh, And that changes everything. He can be really good. Joe Flacco can do a lot of stuff, and when he when it when it's when it's right, it feels like magic because it, it's so such a roller coaster in, in some of the throws he makes. The guy throws like four or five turnover worthy throws every game. It's just what he does. Other than the first Texan team, which was his best by far, um, Deshaun Watson has the capability to be that special player. We saw that. So. They've got other questions they have to answer. Tackle situations got to be answered. Can more weapons maybe um, getting the run game better? I think I think we saw a lot of growth from Kevin Stefanski as a play caller this year in terms of I think you know this is sort of the ultimate necessity being the mother of invention type thing. Some of the ways they've adapted over the season has been really good. I'm hoping that carries over into next year. But I do have questions about how they run the ball. I do have questions about um, them simply being able to sustain the defensive side of the ball, given that everybody's going to have the tape 
everybody's giving you a look at these games and attack these things. But overall, I still feel really good about where this team is going. Uh, if if this is an indication of how good Andrew Barry can be, they're going to be really good for a really long time because he can just make so much out of so little in terms of assets. I mean, this draft class right now looks to be his best, and he didn't have a first-round pick. And that's, you know, you consider all the value they've gotten out. Ronnie Hickman, undrafted free agent. Uh, Dewan Jones, fourth-round pick. And they contributions, contributions, contributions all over the place. So you have to feel good about that. But I say all that. Deshaun Watson has to be better from the word go next year. They have to be able to hit the ground running faster. Um, I think one of the things that Joe Flacco did that really hurt Deshaun Watson is how good he was quickly or how how quickly he was able to get to whatever level you want to consider what he was able to do. That's troubling uh, in terms of the ramp up. I, I yeah. do think there are adjustments that Deshaun Watson sort of has to decide if he's going to make or not. Does he does he want to start working faster? Does he want to get the ball out quicker? Those type of things. I'm hoping that he's sitting there somewhere having watched these games and goes, man, I, I want to do some of the things I'm seeing as opposed to I play my game the way I play. I think there's got to be some adaptations, but I think I feel good about their ability to get, get there and I feel good about their ability to contend next year. Right on. Same to you, Brad, as we close, kind of not maybe the Watson angle, but how far away do you think they are, man? Is it, is it just, hey, let's get them, you know, this culture shift that happened this year is going to carry over. You know, every year there's teams that make the playoffs and fail the next year, right? We saw it in 2021 when we all thought they were going to run it back and dominate and find a way into the playoffs, and it didn't happen. So is this structure good enough to get into the playoffs next year and be better? Or is it all just a coin flip on – how you know Deshaun Watson plays, and that's the end of it. Because it's hard to expect any quarterback to come off the street in any scenario and do what Joe did. Agreed, but they. But I would also make the just make the point that they found ways to win even before Flacco without Watson. So they won with PJ Walker and they won with DTR as well uh, this year. Now it was different, right? But uh, I would just say that. All of that, I, I think, points to uh, quality of roster, uh, 1 through 53, and that, yeah, I do think that they have a really good chance next year. Uh, and, you know, you do need a, a good performance out of Watson for sure. Um, but I, I don't think that – like, I, I have the list of free agents in front of me, and certainly some of them are – contributors but there's nobody on this list that is like you have to have him back or else they aren't going to be what they were this year so I, I do think they are a step closer to where we all want them to be i uh, i see a lot of it the same way you guys do we'll have so many of these big discussions coming in the next Weeks and months, unfortunately, the offseason is upon us as we watch the rest of the NFL here. Um, playoff teams go through uh, go through the rest of the playoffs. That's the, the bit of the bummer when you have the first game and you lose it. So we'll do that. We'll get through. We'll get to free agency. We'll get to the draft, and nobody will cover the offseason quite like we do here at the OBR. We're excited to do that for you. Tonight sucks. You're allowed to be mad, uh, allowed to be bummed. I hope that you get a chance to step back and get a little bit of uh, perspective on how many good moments – this place gave you this year, um, this team, sorry, maybe the OBR did too, uh, but this team gave you this year. 
and um, we can find some solace in that. But it does it does stink. We all wanted more, so uh, understand a bit of the frustration side as well. But but again, I want you guys to understand, uh, you know, even 150 of you hanging out in the post game that we really appreciate you spending any time with us in any capacity and supporting the OBR in the ways that you guys do. It's really unique. Uh, and we enjoy the community that is formed, which I consider the best Browns community you will find anywhere online. So um, from the bottom of our hearts here at the OBR, we appreciate you guys. We'll still have the normal content on Twitch this week. We're going to get to Chalk Talk and all of that tomorrow. Well, probably do that on Sunday, yeah. Maybe figure out a time for that. Maybe bump things up a little bit. But, um, you know, put the stuff out to help you understand what happened in this game and then start shifting our eyes onto reviews and and um, eventually how they get better, right? So. Thanks for hanging out tonight and uh, hanging out the OBR. We appreciate you guys very much. Be safe, be well, and go Browns.